0: Welcome back to following Noad on a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 185, and we are doing the Hero of Ages wrap up and the entire D of Mistborn Era One wrap up. Elliot, how are you?
1: I'm I'm doing great. I've got that that high of finished a Sanderson book. There are there are more Cosmere secrets that I have unlocked. There's more questions that I now have that I didn't even know were even questions you could ask before I had read this book or this whole series, this whole trilogy. So I'm, I'm riding high. This is good stuff. Oh,
2: not even a book Elliot, but a whole series here yeah. a whole trilogy. That's a really good feeling. It's a really good feeling to kind of have that, you know, have that checked off your list. I feel like that minimizes the the accomplishment a bit and the level of stuff we get to talk about now, officially. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. Marking a, a big a big series off the list, it's a great feeling. So.
0: We're going to start with our ratings of the book. We're each going to go through and talk about our ratings. We'll talk about general thoughts, although we talked about some of these general thoughts last week so that that section may be shorter than normal. We'll talk about favorite characters, some favorite quotes, we'll talk about Mistborn Era 1 as a whole, and then we'll end it with talking about Mistborn Era 2 and what you guys have feelings on for Mistborn Era 2, what you're expecting, any predictions, that type of thing. So let's start with the intro and then we'll get to our ratings. Alright, for the ratings here, let's do each category all together, and then we will, uh, uh, we'll we'll each say what we rated it, and then we'll talk about that category all together, so we don't have lots of rants. So, we're going to start with plot. This, these scores are out of 10. And I rated plot uh, 7. Paul, what did you rate it?
3: I rated it as an 8. I had the same as you. I had a seven. Why seven? For me,
1: this book, Hero of Ages, did not have the same problems that I ran into last book, Well of Ascension. There could go back to our book recap on Well of Ascension to get my small rant on. I struggled through sections of that book. I did not struggle through any sections of this book. This, I think the plot flowed well for me. I stayed engaged through pretty much all of it. I think as I was trying to figure out why this one worked better for me than last, I think Spook helped quite a bit. I was really wanting to know what was going to happen with Spook, and so even when we were maybe in slower parts with Vin and ellen and shards and all that kind of stuff, we still had Spook to kind of carry through us through some of those gaps. So that was that was a that, that was a positive in the the plot area. I think Yeoman actually helped with this yeoman was an interesting element in all this where you're trying to figure out who he is where is he aligned with all this what does he know that was there was enough intrigue there to to keep me keep me interested but something about all these Mistborn books the plot doesn't quite flow as smoothly as I'm used to in other books from from Brandon and I I'm not I'm not smart enough in the literary world to n- explain to you exactly why, maybe, but we go from like reading a, re- a very, very recent Brandon, like Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, and then you go to this. And I think early Brandon's plots don't work quite as well for me. And I can't quite tell you why, but there's a noticeable drop in the the smoothness, the kind of passing from one element to the next, the pacing of maybe it's Sanderlanches. I think we talked a little bit about that before. So it falls a couple notches for me down to seven.
0: I agree with most of what you said. Where I dock it is I think there's a couple characters that are misused in this um in this plot. First of all, Tensoon. I think Tensuun is a little bit misused. He's Got a lot of potential, but he doesn't do that much. At the end of the day, he um, he talks to the conjure, fails, goes and talks to Sazed, gives him what he needs, so there there's his little time to shine. But I feel like there was a lot more that Sazed could have done that could have been more interesting. Yeah, I agree with you that Spook's actually a nice um, bright spot in this book. Um. Yeah, I I mean, the Vin and Ellen stuff is is good, just not quite at the potential that it could be from what we've seen previously, and I guess chronologically would be later in Sanderson's writing, would be the the potential there.
2: So I gave this an 8, and the reason I have it a little bit higher, I guess, is... I think the plot, the excitement, all the events that happen are very engaging, especially coming from the Well of Ascension, which I think was maybe the lowest I've rated a plot. I don't actually remember what it was. But it was probably like a six or something um, for for a Brandon Sanderson book. Um, Elliot, you're right. And I think it's not quite as maybe elegant as, you know, Brandon Sanderson's writing and, and prose has improved a lot since this series but i didn't really duck it for that personally it still felt engaging to me and the events especially like the same delange of this book is just crazy it's it's absolutely wild it's so engaging it's so wild um that i i had to rate it highly the only things that i'm really taking a point or two away from for Is, you know, there's a couple of those elements that we talked about in our previous episode of, you know, it just feels odd or maybe a little bit out of place. Or, you know, we talked about the whole ATM horde and stuff like, is that really what I guess I was looking for? No, not as much. And, you know, things like that. So there are flaws, but I think it's fantastic. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a very engaging, very, very good plot driven book.
0: What about characters? What did you rate characters, Paul?
2: I rated characters
3: as a 9. Okay, I rated it an 8.
0: I took it one step lower with a 7. 9, Paul. What's, what's with a 9?
3: So I think all the characters
2: that we have here in our story are used very well. Especially, so... With the Final Empire and the Well of Ascension, we have a lot of characters who are present in the story. Like we know they exist, but I don't know that they. We we also talked about this. Of like the scope of this book is different than Stormlight. We don't have times for flashbacks for everyone and things like like we do not have that time. But in this book, it feels like the the page space that we're given for characters it feels very it felt very like revealing to me and it felt very fitting um and so i I enjoyed it and and, i mean just personal bias honestly personal opinion like i really enjoy all the characters we have here um i won't say uh, spoiler alert i guess my favorite character i think is Mm Stazed, but i mean i can name a big list of characters that i love you know vin ellen ten
3: uh spook. Yes, spook. Uh, even like a lot of the minor characters, uh,
2: Elliot has been mentioning Yeoman and stuff, like Ruin in this also. Um, there's just a lot of, all the other Chondra, like everyone seems to fit well in their spot, I guess. And so I just, I I guess for that reason is, is part of why I gave characters a nine.
0: So talking about smaller characters that stand out. I want to give a shout out to Ham and what Sanderson did with Ham at the end there. Like, at the beginning of the Final Empire, we learn that Ham is married with kids and they're off-hidden somewhere and he doesn't get to see them. He will maybe, like, sneak out to go spend, like, a night with them and then come back, but he very deliberately stays away from them to keep them safe. And... Sanderson brings that back at the very end of the book where they come out of different storage caverns safety caverns. So neither of them know that the other is safe. And in our heaven grassy meadow at the end of the book, they are reunited, which I, I think is a great, like just quiet character moment. I'm a sucker for those like just really tender scenes between like two minor characters. Um, So I, I rated it an eight. I, like i said a little bit before i think ten soon falls a little bit flat in this uh book he could be like really instrumental and he isn't i like i kind of got a little frustrated at the end of the book because he's kind of just running around the world trying to catch up with vin and is always in the wrong place at the wrong time like <laughs> he he heads over to Fadrex. oh she went back to luthdell okay running over to luthdell oh she's over oh she's gone Okay, well, I, I guess that's it. Um, but the, the the they're good. Eight out of ten. It's good. Good score.
3: I went with seven on characters.
1: All, all the positives that build up to that that seven score are all the things that Sanderson does so well with character. He's such a good character writer. He writes unique characters who have really relatable struggles they are different they feel different we've read a lot of sanderson at this point like 13 plus books stories short story stuff i'm kind of waiting for the the character that i can say oh yeah that's the same as that one or oh man there's that character again i don't get any of that every character i meet in brandon's world he he manages to give them unique traits and aspects and he he does that again here in in Mistborn writes them really well I like the arcs that they go on Seized's story in this one maybe not quite as engaging as it could have been in that I didn't feel too emotionally connected to to Sazed. he he spends a lot of this book like struggling with religion Where's the truth? Where's the religion? But it kind of turns into the same thing over and over. Oh, I'm going to examine another religion. Nope, doesn't make sense. Examine another religion. We we spent three quarters of the book doing that with Seizid. With so it, in, in some instances, took him the entire book to get kind of through one major character development element. But all that to say, oh, so many good things, so many good stories. I think Ellen and Vin have a kind of start to finish full character arc pretty well fleshed out with focus specifically in different books. It was good. I think I I dock points maybe a little bit based on my personal taste for this. I, I kind of want to say some of the opposites of what you just said, Paul, and that a lot of these characters are good. They're well-written. I don't, I don't like them so much. There's, there's not a lot of characters here that I read that I go, Oh yeah, one day I'm going to be like that. There's kind of a lot more characters that are like, ah, I really
0: hope I'm never like that. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Or I really hope they work through this.
1: Right, right. Which is still engaging reading, really well-written, but just kind of a, a more of a personal taste thing, I bring it down to seven.
0: All right, we have world building. I gave world building an eight.
3: I
2: also have an eight.
0: I jumped up and went nine here. All right. What did going to put you on the, on the spot. What did you give world-building the previous Mistborn books?
1: I did eight in The Final Empire, and I did six in The Well of Ascension. And again, go back and listen if you're curious. I complain a fair amount in the end of The Well of Ascension one because I wanted more lore. More lore. I wanted it all. And I didn't really get it in Well Ascension. Well, of Ascension is kind of the Ferrochemie book. We're supposed to be learning about it, but we don't even learn about it in a lot of senses. We just kind of occasionally get told, and then this metal mind did this. Yeah. And then you move on. I didn't say that never like sat down and explained the physics of it. Nobody, we don't uncover any secret text that unlocks the history of Ferrochemie. It's, it's not like taught to us, which I fully realize a lot of people out there. Don't want that. That don't sit me down and lecture me about about Just give me a story. I I'm a, a lore geek. Give me the give me the lecture on on Fast forward a book, Hero of Ages. I did get that. I got lectures on heme allergy I got whole sections, probably in more detail than I actually really wanted on the gruesome details of how you spike somebody and and steal their powers. But a lot of, a lot of the things that's that Sanderson started or planted the seed for in the beginning, he cashes out in this book. Sanderson talks about that a lot, actually in some of his like annotations and lectures and stuff. He talks about investments. You're asking the reader to do a lot in these long stories. And so he's talks about how you want to make sure you're, you're, giving the reader those payout moments. They've put a lot of work into reading this work they need a payout. This book was that for me from a world building standpoint. There were a lot of world building questions we got answered. I feel like I really have a good idea now about what schedule is and what's going on here. I had no idea about that in the first book and not a lot more in the second. So he he really kind of all the points he could have all the points I took away from last book I'm adding on to this one cuz I got all the answers I wanted
0: nine yeah that makes sense i i docked another point off of nine because i don't know was kind of dark and gloomy i don't yeah i don't like hanging out in in era one real. <laughs> um it it's interesting and i enjoy the concept i wouldn't enjoy the visuals eight out of ten
3: I can can kind
2: of echo that, Trevor. I mean, mine was also an 8 out of 10. But, you know, the setting is dark. And while, you know, if I remember correctly, a lot of Elliot's big complaints in Well Well of Ascension, for example, is we... I could be wrong. This may not have been what Elliot said. But I think one of the complaints we had was that you don't really see outside of... Like our main city,
0: you don't really see the world. Yeah, that was my complaint. Well,
2: oh, that's what it was. Okay. Um, you don't really see around, and here we do see a bit more, it, and especially things like, um, the Condra area. I'm blanking on what their name the homeland. is. homeland. Yes, the homeland. Um, uh, that's awesome. And we do get out of that home base a bit more, but,
3: um, I don't know. It didn't feel like the world building was. I don't know.
2: I, but just honestly, I don't have the strongest thoughts on the world building for this book. I'm like, that wasn't where my mind was. Um, whereas I feel like in other books, I think a lot more maybe about, you know, the different peoples and cultures and all the things going on. We did see more, and so I don't have any major complaints, but. I don't know that anything, like, stood out to me as magnificent, you know, because it just felt like it wasn't as big of a focal point for me. I will say, like, as a world-building point, I do love, like, probably my favorite part is actually, like, the kind of calamity scale of the world that we're looking at with Ruin and Preservation and then becoming Preservation and attacking Ruin, all the stuff that happens, and then if we're talking about world building potentially as like says quite literally building the world back at the end, that was awesome. That was, that was incredible. Um, and, and, and beautiful and like really did a lot. But aside from that, I really didn't hardly cross my mind all that much. This book, I guess I, I do think I'm really going for a long time now, but I do think on my first read through, This may be different because it may be a lot more new information. So, anyways, I'll settle around an eight out of ten. So,
0: I'm curious what you guys think of secret history when we get there, because that really fits into world building um, for for era one. So, all right, theme. I gave it an eight.
2: I also gave it an eight.
3: I was harsh here. I went for five.
0: I I am curious to hear this because theme, it's good. It's not fabulous, but it's good. The The theme of fighting Ruin, giving everything you have to make sure Ruin loses, it may not be super bright and hopeful, but I, I, I know I need to be fighting Ruin, so that's what I'm going to be doing. And the, I feel like the theme is really well summed up in two episodes ago, where Elend decides not to attack Phadrex because he's talking with him, and they just decide together it's not right, and the ramifications of that are pretty cosmic at, at the end of it, because, but they don't know that at the time. It's just. Reacting to what's in front of you, doing what you think is right with what, what's in front of you, and hope for the best. I, I mean I I think there's some mispotential here with the theme. Um, but I think it's good. Eight.
2: I'm I'm gonna also jump in. So another thing that we kinda see and and this may be drawing it's one of those things that it's like, I don't know if I'm looking at this too deeply, like this isn't intended or, you know, in Brandon Sanderson fashion, maybe it is uh, probably not. But you know, at the very start of the whole story, we get a good picture of the Ska as being like, you know, just trying to stay in their lane, kind of keep their heads down, be safe if they can, you know, a very like sad lifestyle and kelsir was the one to really try and push people out of that to like get stir up hope stir up passion in people i guess stir up a, a hope for a cause um and while it didn't come in the form of like a big group uprising like Maybe was envisioned or or things there you know there's the whole church of the survivor stuff, but that's I'm not counting any of that in this. I think then I think the end of the book where I mean it is at the result of losing Ellen, but as uh she kind of throws like caution to the wind, and she's never been the most cautious person either, but it's like there's nothing holding me back now, and just kind of this um this like reckless abandon, I guess, I feel like that's an odd that I probably shouldn't even connect those dots. But I feel like that's a weird, like fulfillment of, of that in a way of just like pushing from really staying into a box to really like leaping out of the box, no matter what kind of thing. Um, On a more like simple note of why I really chose eight out of 10 is just thinking of kind of the the theme points i guess the like takeaway messages for me um i'm just going to throw out some words i guess that I, that I think of with this The probably the most front runner one throughout the story was trust um and there was also like the the element of of faith i think with Sazed, and also like the our all of our characters i would say especially like Vin, sazid and Alan, of like faith in each other to come through you know, there was so much planted in Ven's mind about uh, Ellen is spiked, you know, he has a spike in it. he's under Ruin's control, and she never bought it for a second, because she had faith She had, and trust in Ellen that that would not happen, you know, and, and I think it is relying, having that faith and, and relying on their companions that ultimately resulted in, in, in Ruin falling. You know, so uh, those are like the two main ones. There, there's probably some other I could draw, but I thought those were excellent points. The reason it's not like a, I feel like I'm talking about it very glowingly. The reason it's not like a ten for me is, it is still gloomy. It is still bittersweet, and it is still harsh. You know, it it's it's a bit brutal,
3: and it's not. Um, it I don't know. It's not like an it's not necessarily like the most honorable
2: or in, inspirational, I guess, but but there are really good
3: takeaways and, and points like that to, to look at. So I got hung up on on something a little different. A lot of the things that you guys are saying about
1: the theme of the book, I think I agree with in a lot of ways. There, there were a lot of positive well explored themes in in this book themes about like like you're just talking about Paul faith and Trevor you're talking about resisting evil and making the right choice even in the face of you know impending doom all, all those things worked for me with their individual characters that they mattered to where i think i got a little lost is thinking about a cohesive theme of the entire book. I'm struggling to... I feel like a lot of other books we've, we've read have had different themes for their different character lines or plot lines, sometimes even characters who aren't even ever in the same room with each other, and they're doing very different things and exploring very different challenges and things like that. But the book overall weaves those separate threads together into... Like a chord that takes you to the same place eventually, or similar places, or along kind of similar journeys, you can feel parallels what you maybe are struggling with with Kaladin, you then relate to with you know Shalon, those kinds of things. I didn't do that. I, I didn't feel that in this book. It felt like Sazed has hid has hid Sazed had his battle, Spook had his battle, Ellen had her or Ellen had his, Vin had hers. I wasn't. It wasn't feeling like it was. All the same story to me. Plot-wise, it was theme-wise, it felt a bit disjointed to me. Even though each of those elements was great, I thought Sazed's theme on faith and belief and trust, or whatever, is is awesome. The resisting of of evil with Spook and maybe Ellen. those are great. When we get to the cosmic level, God versus God battles, cool stuff. But I don't know. I, I'd be potentially open to be swayed on this in the future or maybe on a reread if I had more mental bandwidth to to pay attention to maybe how to link some of these two together. But at the end of this book, I felt just a little bit disjointed on a lot of that. And then add on top of that, the things that you guys mentioned of this, the constant apocalyptic gloom and doom, it, it wears me down. It wears me down. And And that's a preference thing. That's a that's a personal taste thing of just I get to the end of this book and go yeah, this is not a place I'd want to be. Not not quite my cup of tea, so it takes a, a small hidden
0: theme there for me. All right, for point of view, our last one, I gave it an 8 for a total of 39 out of 50. Uh, s- uh, f- 4 out of 5. There you go.
2: Paul? I also gave this an 8. We um, for a total of 41 out of 50. So 4.1 stars. Out of
0: 5. There you
1: go. And I had 7, which I believe tallies up to
0: 35 out of 50. So, with point of view, I kind of lump it with how effective was the book at doing its job. Did I get my information well? Were the reveals good? That type of thing. And the reveals were good, first of all.
3: They I might talk about this this week
0: and maybe a little bit next week. Which little teaser. Next week we're doing the entire book of Elantris um in one sitting. I think this book and I think I might have said this about last book, a little too lanchy I think the Sanderlanch might actually take away from the book in because there's so much packed into it that it could be spread out more successfully. Um, but I'll talk about more. I'll talk about that more with Elantris because I want to tie that to Elantris. Um, but o- overall it's a good book. This, um, this book successfully pulls off a good Sandra Lynch, Um And then the, the mysteries moving through the the book are all engaging and interesting. So
3: so oh,
2: right before we were recording this,
3: I had this as a seven and
2: I, I I had to take a step back and think about it. This the reason I wanted to give it a seven or lower is based off of the Mistborn trilogy as a whole, not this book alone. I think this book does a good job of Showing points of views from all the characters, right? We we actually get flashback chapters. Spook becomes a much more major character, and a lot of our characters get some good screen time. We get to see a lot of um interesting characters as well, like Ruin, not like necessarily from his point of view, but we also get like Marsh point of view. We get a lot of the point of views, which I feel like I've kind of wanted th- to be branched out more. Um, but in previous books in this series, we haven't had that. And I feel like that's hurt my perception of it, uh, of uh, the point of views for, for this whole series. But I think 8 out of 10, it's like, it's really great. I think some of the reasons Trevor mentioned before are maybe some of the reasons like, and I guess this is a little bit more plot driven, but like 10 soon does feel like a bit off. Like I love soon as a character. Um but I feel like either the point of view the moments we get with him aren't quite right. Aside from like the beginning I do really enjoy. But anyways, eight out of ten, I think this book was a big step up in point of view maybe from the previous book. And I don't know. Maybe for that reason it makes it hard to to judge it. Um I'm not sure. But
1: I too might be getting a little bit biased by thinking about the series as a whole and where we've, where we've gone. Cause you, you brought up a good point, Paul, because one of my biggest thoughts in thinking about point of view for this book was thinking about where we started and where we are now. You know, I think about the, the point of view and the scope of things we were dealing with in book one was Vin as a street urchin, just trying to stay alive and trying to find her next meal and try not to get stabbed in the back by her gang mates and, and grow that all the way to Vin becomes the vessel of preservation and wields all the power of preservation against ruin to save the entire planet. You know, epic in the, the growth of the, the scope that we've seen. I, I tie that a lot to point of view and I think that's done well. All that I think is great that that escalation of our point of view as a reader and the point of view of the whole story was was really good and really fun to read as you go through and learn more and more and more and more and more. You know, before it was all we knew was Luthadel, and then okay, we get outside Luthadel, and then now we're talking about reshaping an entire planet and just just epic level proportions of of stuff. I think it. I, I might dock at a few points here for the same exact reason of the previous books of. I want, I I want a little bit more. I think we we move a little bit quickly through some of the the sections and and that we're in you know some narrower characters' point of views perhaps, and we're not getting sit down discussions that talk about the the lore in more depth or the bigger picture that that I would maybe want to get along the way. So it's uh yeah, really solid, delivered well. I buy it.
3: Good book seven out of 10 for point of view and, and 35 out of 50 for final score. That's good.
0: Um, are there any general thoughts on the book that we haven't talked about already or last week as well?
3: I, I had a random thought as I was trying to
1: put my, my thoughts into, into words on the, on the outline. We mentioned this briefly already, but it's worth it's worth touching on again that
3: mix of darker gloomier setting, like
1: Trevor you talked about before it's it's not about the heroes finding a way to defeat the villain. It's about the heroes making sure that the villain comes goes down with them right as we all crash and burn. Set against that, though, this theme throughout of hope, you know, it started with Kelsier at the beginning, and it's a huge part of this book, too, of no, there is still hope. There is still things we can cling on to. Seizet is able to find the hope and the truth in the end, in his hope in Vin, and then ultimately his ascendancy to godhood. All That mix, that that kind of emotions that you feel together that seem like they shouldn't reminded me a little bit of
3: the movie inside out from Pixar. Yeah. And how that movie is all about emotions, right?
1: The, the kind of takeaway from that book is that book movie is that sadness, while a seemingly negative thing can be a core part of who you are and an enabler for great and powerful and positive things because of sadness you might feel. I'm kind of getting that vibe from specifically this book in Mistborn, but Mistborn as a whole of, yeah, it is dark. Yeah, there's really nasty things happening, but it enables such a stark moment when the light finally does shine through and the heroes do fall to the villain in a lot of ways, but how does the book end with beautiful sunlit grassy meadows and flowers strewn over, you know, the dead bodies of our heroes who sacrifice themselves to, to save the day. I mean, it's a,
0: it's a strange mix of emotions, but it, it works. I'm glad you brought up inside out. I could, It's one of my favorite movies. I could talk about inside out for quite a while. Um, but the entire point of that movie or what one of the points of that movie is you don't especially as you grow older always need to suppress sadness sadness is a a tool that you can use to motivate yourself or sympathize with others or have a have care and feeling and sentiment about things that are important um and yes i i do think a lot of those same Feelings are reflected in the end of the hero of ages, where there's something very fitting about Vin and Ellen being dead lying next to each other at the end of the book in this tranquil grassy meadow, and they were successful, they saved the world, but they gave themselves through it um so i I just really. Liked that you brought up Inside Out because I, I agree that it. it's the same
3: very niche feeling and even even like Vin and Ellen's death specifically.
1: I predicted part of that, by the way. You predicted half of it. those 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 points right now, Vin did die, I think, and.
0: You're not sure of anything anymore, are you?
1: (laughs) Really? This this series has scarred me a little bit, a little bit. I'm gonna now, I'm gonna now caveat everything I
3: say with. I think I I don't know. I think, I think Vin's dead. Called that, but not,
1: not at all in the way that I was expecting. Actually, in a one-word description, yes. I think I said. Vin would die, like sacrificing herself to save everyone. That's kind of what she did. But classic Sanderson, there's so much more to it. It, it was not the cookie cutter hero sacrifices themselves to save the day. It was so much more nuanced than, than that with Vin taking on the mantle of preservation, throwing herself at Ruin, managing to deal with Ellen's death. We didn't talk about that so much last episode, but do you guys remember that? Ellen dies. Marsh beheads him. Ruin then turns to gloat and to shove that in Vin's face. And Vin is just okay with it. She's already accepted.
3: Yeah, I'd already accepted he was gone before you know just stuff like that of this i don't know
1: cosmic level not a simple i'll fight off the bad guys while you run to safety way more than that
0: this the sentiment of vin at the end is almost revenge it's it's almost like i don't have a reason to live anymore so yeah I'm willing to take myself out to kill you.
2: Quite exactly, like not even sort of. Um, my my comment from Elliot saying I think earlier is I think says is one of the wisest characters that we've seen in our stories, and we were talking last episode about how he always ends his sentences with "I think," you know. Yeah, and so so that 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 tracks, you know. Um, and so. Everyone is correct. It it is like a, a dark, gloomy, kind of depressing atmosphere. Is it bad that I kind of like that? It's kind of cool, you know. Um, I mean, I was talking with a friend of mine a while back who who hasn't read a lot of fantasy, hasn't read especially like high the high fantasy side of 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 fantasy, I guess. Um, and he he chose this specifically because he kind of likes, like, grim, dark storytelling and, and, and settings and stuff like that. He likes a bit of the grit, you know? And so it, it really comes down to a... I mean, it, it really is so heavily dependent, I feel like, on that personal preference element um, of it's not your traditional story. So you have to be wanting... You have to you have to be comfortable with those other kind of complex emotions that come with the other, you know, other side of the coin of if the good guy doesn't make
3: it, you know. Um I feel like, and so that's excuse me. And it kinda of comes
2: down a bit more to, to personal preference, you know. Uh but I'm like I'm I'm comfortable with it, but it I mean it isn't my favorite, you know I don't like love that that
3: everyone does you know, Um, but yeah, I think this out of all of the series as we've read
2: is the most, maybe you have to be okay with the setting to enjoy I guess. I'm also speaking because my. Wonderful wife has has read a lot of the Cosmere, but has really struggled with Mistborn because she prefers the the happier you know settings. You know she likes a little bit of sunshine, and that that's fully expected. I think I'm the one on the the wrong side of the road there.
1: I just to throw in a, a couple of cents into into that hat with those thoughts. I think personal taste has has a lot to do with. Do you like the the darker themes or or the the lighter ones but i think it also for me just fulfills a a different purpose you can you can read a grim dark tale which I, i'm no expert on that specific genre but i believe mistborn is not in you know full on that that category you can enjoy the you, you can you can dive into the I'm not sure if high fantasy is actually the right term that might actually be referring to something slightly different but the uh more lighter uplifting heroes win the day kind of kind of stories but there's there's different reasons why you pick up those two different books if if you are looking for the light at the end of the tunnel to get you through a dark time if you are looking for a character to inspire you to whatever you trying to aspire to or maybe you don't even know what you want to be inspired to and you just know you want to read about a character that makes you a better person you know you pick up those those lighter fantasies if if you maybe want to dive into the the grittier more real life scenarios you might go for the the darker you know side of things i think there's there's different scenarios there's
3: different reasons why you go into you go into those different stories Sounds good. Favorite characters, gentlemen? Guess what? With boring options. Go ahead. I'm actually I'm curious to hear yours because yours has like maybe
1: three minutes of screen time. Mine. Uh, it's all he needs. It's all he needs. <laughs> I I put I put Sazed. I think this very much felt like Sazed's book. I mean, be, he becomes a hero of ages at the end of it. It's it's pretty epic and you know i felt like he was the one i was most in, invested in throughout the book and wanting to get to the you know end of his story and where's he going with this he's been struggling ever since he lost tinwill all this kind of stuff so i i appreciated that journey that that Cesar went on more than the rest of the other characters but uh i almost went with i almost went with spook actually i was very annoyed by and did not like spook in a lot of sections but he goes on by far the best redemptive arc yeah. in this book. He goes from I, – I predicted at one point the exact opposite of what happens to him because I thought, dark and gloomy, we were headed for spook gives into the addiction of all power. power. He wants more. He wants to do more. He can't handle this. He's got to have all the, the sensory experience. I thought he was gonna go full inquisitor. We were gonna get some kind of little mini inquisitor in Spook. We didn't get that at all. We didn't get that at all. He hit the breaking point and he turned back. He broke away from the addiction to power and charges into the burning building to save the entire city. And yeah, that that was pretty that was pretty special. That was a that was a really cool
3: story arc for for Spook. So close second. yeah that that's a great you
2: you summed that up so well. I mean, it's it it was easy sort of
3: easy for me to put Spooks storyline as like a I don't know an elaborate
2: interlude of like yeah it's neat to see Spook more and get more perspective and see all these other things. But you're absolutely right in that. It could have been so bad. It could have been horrible with, you know, Spook's desire for um, power and the, the the his desire to be helpful and strong and all the things. Um, anyways, my character is my favorite character is Cezid. Um Was definitely like sealed whenever I read this the first time. I absolutely loved Sazed. I think my favorite thing about Sazed's character is you know there's the the kind of old adage of like the more that you know the 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 wiser you are the more things that you know the more you realize how much you don't know you know Um, and I I think Seizid is kind of that I think he's an incredibly wise character and uses his wisdom not, not, not in like a knowledge. Like I'm gonna distinguish a little bit between like knowledge and wisdom here. Of like knowledge to like logic or like argue your point, if you will, um, versus wisdom of like understanding something and being able to. I, I'm choosing my words here, kind of carefully. Being able to convey a point well, like more more lovingly and with tact and taste rather than like a logical debate of these are the logical reasons why I am correct and you are incorrect. More of like a personal approach of like, I understand the, the situation and like why this is important kind of thing. Uh, I think is a very big distinction between, between Caesar and maybe other like witty or smart or knowledgeable characters that we've seen in the Cosmere or just other writings, um, another reason I like Caesar is he's kind of like the reluctant leader, I guess. I, I feel he like the is. best comparison I have for this is like George Washington. Of <laughs> like, he was like the one who's like fit to lead the country but didn't want to doesn't want like that's not what he wants to do he doesn't want to have like that power you know but kind of for that reason i think he's the best to have that power at the moment of like he has the wisdom and the guidance and the sensibility to do so Uh, but he's also like just very humble uh, uh, through it not like an intentional humility but just like naturally like um, humble about about all of that. So, uh, Caesar just seems excellent all around, and um, not only that, but like he, he has the the cunning and, to to boss up. You know, we we see the moments at the end of the book where he is helping break out of um the homeland and everything. Um, what what if it was in the well of ascension? I think where maybe it was the final empire. I think it was the world of Ascension where they're defending the city, you know? Yep. So is so well-rounded and just a fantastic character. So.
0: Says it is unfortunately in charge.
2: Yes. Unfortunately, the hero Wages. Um I did also need to say that Ven is my honorable mention here. Um, she was not listed as any of our favorite characters. And I feel like, the the way she's really developed through the story deserves a lot of credit she is kind of the main protagonist of the story and i i think that's uh pretty deserving and was a good character to follow so i, I have to give her a shout out says it is my favorite but um but vin vin was wonderful as well
0: mine is the best character in the entire mistborn series Demu, my my dear General Demu, the man is just caught up in the whole Church of the Survivor thing, and he understands that there's like cosmic events happening around him, but he's just in his lane, trying to handle what he can handle, he's trying to keep his men in line, he's trying to be a good guy. I like Demu, I, I just got a soft spot for him, what can I say? See the see the
1: Kaladin of uh, of Misborn, where he's just trying to help the folks around him and not bothering about the big picture.
0: I don't I don't know if I go that far, but I do like the analogy. Uh, I do I do enjoy that. All right, uh, let's do some quotes. I will go first. I stole one of Elliot's. Um, actually, Elliot unwell, unknowingly stole one of mine that I was going to. He put it in the outline first, so I stole it back. Um, So here's the quote that I wanted to read that I enjoyed from this book. It's from Vin. Uh, No, it's from Elland. There has to be a balance, Vin, he said. Somehow we'll find it. The balance between who we wish to be and who we need to be. But for now, we simply have to be satisfied with who we are. This is when Vin and Elland are really trying to figure out what exactly they need to be doing and sorting out, like, the Lord Ruler. Was he, was he, like, really evil? Like, the things he did was evil, but did he have good intentions and stuff like that? So this one is really just Finn and Ellen trying to keep their heads straight, and I appreciate that. Um, in a world of, like, a bunch of disaster, they're just trying to make it through together. Who's next?
3: So one of mine builds upon
1: a different one. And I I pass that other one to to Paul. So maybe, Paul, you should go with what you have, and then I'll build on it with a separate one.
2: Exactly. Um, I'll just hop right into it. This is um, some dialogue between Vin and Ruin. And I'm going to go ahead and hop right in. All things are subject to their own nature, Vin, Ruin said, seeming to flow around her. She could feel its touch upon her, wet and delicate, like mist. You cannot blame me for being what I am. Without me, nothing would end. Nothing could end. And therefore, nothing could grow. I am life. Would you fight life itself? Vin fell silent. Do not mourn because the time of this world's end has arrived, Ruin said. That end was ordained from the very moment of the world's conception. There is a beauty in death, the beauty of finality, the beauty of completion. For nothing is complete until the day it is at last
3: destroyed. And that that moment there is somewhat early in the book. That's does not that
0: in... Doesn't Go Vin ahead. like resign herself and say, like, yeah, he's kind of got a point? Like she she kind of assumes that he's correct.
1: Yeah, that is that is very much the point in the book where you're you're meant to think, well, hang on a second. Does does ruin maybe have a, a decent motive behind this? This is right at the very beginning of part four. So it's actually it's pretty close to midway through the book, actually beginning of part four, which I'll note is titled beautiful destroyer. And so that's kind of the, maybe ruin has a point moment and Vin doesn't really have an answer. Vin doesn't really have an answer until the very end, the rebuttal from Vin back to ruin doesn't come until like 10 pages from the end, and I want to read that. Life, Vin said. You said that the sole reason to create something was so that you could destroy it. We create things to watch them grow, ruin, she said, to take pleasure in seeing that which we love become more than it was before. You said that you were invincible, that all things break apart. All things are ruined. But there are things that fight against you. And the ironic part is you can't even understand those things. Love, life, growth. The life of a person is more than the chaos of its passing. Emotion ruin. This is your defeat. If I had to pick a single line out of there, it would be that, like second to last one there. The life of a person is more than the chaos of its passing i did think that that was really good and really summed up the the beef
3: we have with ruin ruin kind of in some ways does have a point if if nothing ended that
1: i think would take away from some of the meaning and the the beauty of life life has more meaning and more urgency and poignancy. Because there is an end at the end of it. But what Vin, I think, points out is it's not the end that's the point. It's not the end that's the best part. It's the life that you live along the way. It's the growth. It's the, the love, the change, the experience of that life. To reference something else without spoiling too much, journey before destination. Death, death might be the destination. It's where we're going. But it's it's how you get there that means so much more. And so to to hasten that end or to put that end above the life that's in front of it is, is incorrect. And in the case of ruin, I, I think just all out evil. It is evil to treat that end as the point. I'm running out of words to tack onto it, but I thought that was a that was takeaway for me. If you asked
3: me, what is Mistborn about? I think that's a quote I'd pull out. Perfect. There's one more. Right. one more. One more quote, one more quote, super
1: fast. And I'm not actually going to read it because I, I read it before in a, in a previous episode we had. I had to throw out Vin's moment. Vin's moment. This one does come earlier in the book. It's when they're going to a ball at Yeomans place and i got the moment that i desperately wanted from the beginning of the series then finally discovering her self-worth there's a moment where she's walking into the ball and remembers her previous self walking into her first ball as her persona which i'm blanking on the name now valette valette Renu. yeah and remembering the self-doubt she had before and then realizing the value that she now has and relates it to, you know, things like her relationship with Ellen and and all these things. It's beautiful. It's on page 273
3: of of my copy. Go read it if you have my copy. Go steal Elliot's copy is what he's saying. Sure. You'll get all my notes scribbled in the book. I used, I,
0: I wrote in my way of King's book, but it's signed, so I probably shouldn't have. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to do that. I
3: bought a, a nice, cheap $8 paperback so that I wouldn't feel bad writing it. All right.
0: Zooming out. The end of the Hero of Ages. Just quick two sentences, two couple brief thoughts. What is your... Retrospective of the entirety of Miss Era One. If you if you're gonna tell someone about Miss Era One, what are you gonna tell them about? Is it exciting? Not Sanderson's best work. Is it great? Like just just give me like a brief summary of Miss Era One and what you took out of it.
2: My my thought on this was it feels very reaction driven. Um, looking at Other, uh, you know, looking at Stormlight, it's a bit slower. Stormlight is a bit slower. Um, Hero of Ages, sorry, Mistborn in its entirety. There's a lot of, like, impactful moments. There's a lot of dark, gruesome, like, painful moments, like torture and gore and, and things like that. And it really, like, makes you wince there's a lot of like suspense and things like that and a lot of intrigue and stuff so um it feels very maybe with the exception for me with the exception of the well of ascension i I feel like it holds my attention extremely well and it would hold i think it would hold someone's attention very well so um yeah i i think that's kind of a a main point i think about with it Compared to other stories where I feel like you may have to, you may have to, I think with Stormlight, you have to look to be interested in the world, not read it to interest you, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like this is, like,
3: it's got all the fun action, and so it's more, like, generally
0: appealing, I guess. What about you, Elliot?
1: I was telling someone about Mistborn Era 1, I think I would warn them about the darker side of it, probably. I I do think some readers might get a little shocked picking it up and seeing some scenes where people's heads explode and you walk into a room that is covered from floor to ceiling in blood and guts from all the people in it that got murdered a few minutes ago those types of things. But I would also, I think I would also sing the praises of the character driven journey and the, the payoffs at the end. I think I would, without spoiling anything, tell people it's, it's worth, it's, it's worth continuing. It's worth getting to the end, which, which is exactly what a few people said to me, actually, when I'm, talked about how well of ascension was a little bit slow for me. And there were sections where I just wanted to get to the the next part, which hadn't happened to me before with Sanderson. I had two different people talk to me afterwards and say, keep going. It, it's worth it. You'll get there. And, and they were right. They were right. We get to here in, in hero of ages. And I think that the level of awesome that we got to at the action scenes and the cosmic level events is, is Powerful and then that final scene with the grass and the sun and the flowers I mean the more I think about it, the more it stands out against the dark ash of the whole rest of the book it's a, it's the shining star at the at the end of the dark night, you know kind of thing uh magic system that's the other thing i would I would sing the praises of a very cool, very well thought out very clever, not what you'd see in a typical fantasy
3: story magic system or three magic systems well I probably wouldn't say that i
0: will just say magic systems so you can probably gather what I'm about to say from the order that we've recorded the podcast I I never recommend Mistborn as a first book a lot of people do say start with Mistborn um, because it's it, it keeps your attention and all, all those things that we've said before it does not feel like anything else that Sanderson has done there there's something about Mistborn that's just so different and so shocking. Um that I don't recommend Mistborn to anyone as a first read because it's it's not that it's not good. It's that it's not a good representation of Sanderson. I think if you want someone to have a good represent representation of Sanderson, they should start elsewhere and then come to Mistborn and understand um the contrast of what Sanderson has written in the past being influenced by Grim Dark and stuff like that, and what he's um what he can accomplish when he's writing his own thing. So I I, I still don't know if I want to recommend Yumi to someone first or not. But I would I would recommend Tress or The Emperor's Soul. Or maybe even maybe we can talk about this next week. Maybe even Elantris. The on my on my recent read, I actually thought about starting with Elantris. Um, because Elantris grew on me a lot, which we'll talk about next week. Um, but I I do think Mistborn is good to read. Especially for like the Cosme or Ware reader like you two, you need to read Mistborn simply because there's so many definitions in Mistborn and there's so many like events that have that, that give you like a rule set moving forward um, for how things can interact later that's all explained in Mistborn era one so
1: I had a thought to 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 jump on your
3: your thought train there I think part of I think I experienced Mistborn at maybe a,
1: a lower level of excitement because of the cosmere knowledge I came in with, things like Sezad ascending to godhood with shards is epic and crazy and awesome, but not nearly as shocking, right? Because I'm more cosmere aware than probably the the typical misborn reader and but i think about the the inverse is probably true as well in that there's things in stormlight that i think would have been less exciting if i'd gone into it with misborne knowledge if i had if i knew about everything we just read in the hero of ages there are things in stormlight i would have not taken at face value and would have been reading different things into and analyzing in different ways. And I think that might have lessened my experience in stormlight. And mm. so I almost think where you start is going to maybe be that the series you have the most exciting experience perhaps with, because you're going to be discovering stuff for the first time. And so that the series are going to kind of explain a little bit about things that are going to happen in the other one. And so you're not going to get that pure, like, true first-time reader experience in the other one.
2: I I have one thing to add to that. What really excited me and what I really enjoyed reading, especially, like, reading in the Hero of Ages, was all of the moments with Ruin, actually, because I understood the whole, like, shard thing, cosmic shards, and... All this stuff, and so I was like eager for this ruin con, like content that we were getting to like see up close and personal the strength, the flaws, like all the things with with ruin, and and that wouldn't I wouldn't have been thinking about that at all if that was where I had started was with Missborn.
3: All right, gentlemen. Briefly,
0: looking forward. We have a lanterns next week. We have Mistborn Secret History, which will be three weeks. And then we will jump right into Mistborn Era 2. What do you guys know, just hanging around the the other fans, about Mistborn Era 2? And what do you know what what are your expectations of Mistborn Era 2? Are you excited? Are you not looking forward to it? So originally, like, if
2: before we ever read Miss or a lot of the Cosmere stuff we've read, I generally knew of Era 2. I knew it was this kind of, like, steampunk time era setting. And naturally, I personally, I, I wasn't very interested in that. It was probably the bottom of my read list of, of interest. Um... But now I'm actually really excited. I I think that mostly comes from a greater Cosmere knowledge. Also, honestly, when we went to Dragonsteel, it was the release of the last book of that. And seeing a lot of the people so excited about it, hearing like, just from a lot of people how great it was, made it more exciting for me. Um, and so, so I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited because I think we're going to get some more questions answered and things like that. Um, as far as expectations, I really know practically nothing about the story. Like, I don't, I couldn't tell you any story element. The only thing I know is that we have characters Wax and Wayne allegedly, and I think Wayne is like a funny guy who has a lot of dry humor jokes or something. That's my only understanding. My understanding is it may be a bit more lighthearted, more humor in there. So. That's quite
3: literally about all I know. I know there's cars. I know there's guns. I know there's hats. I know there's magic. Somehow. I know there's skyscrapers. That's about it. I've heard it compared to like, westerns. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make sense. And I'm excited to find out how you can have a steampunk
1: western with Allomancy and Fairchemy.
0: And Hemology. Yikes. And Hemology. I, without, without spoilers, I do think it's a very funny mix of, like, light-hearted buddy cop western with, like really dark magic like this guy's spiking people in the back alley type thing I, I think it's a very fun mix of lighthearted versus inheriting a dark magic system of arrow one so
1: i also will echo what paul said in that because we were at dragon Steel 2022 for the release of the lost metal the the reaction to that book that i picked up from a few people was One, a lot of excitement and two, just a lot of, oh my gosh, the Cosmere, like, you know, just those kind of, you know, my brain just exploded because I read the lost metal kind of reactions. And so that, that has me giddy and excited too. We're sitting here spinning theories on shards and what if you do this and what if you do that? I I, we're probably having all the wrong discussions and all you people out there who have read the rest are all just like, just you wait, just you wait. And so I'm, I'm eager for the no longer just you wait and getting full in on the, the story, which uh, at least the the mile marker I'm looking forward to is the end of the lost metal.
2: One thing I want to add to that. Also, one thing I'm really excited about is I think this will be our first like big era continuation in the same on the same planet in the same system of we're still on Scadrill and how we know Scadrill. it I know it's gonna look incredibly different because we just saw the transformation happen at the end of this book but I'm very eager to see how Brandon Sanderson does this whole era one to era two jump and you know, I I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of fun nods since we've read Era One. Uh, just knowing Brandon Sanderson, I feel like there'd be, you know, I've I've heard mention that our heroes in Era One are kind of like the the legends of old kind of thing um, in in the second era. So I, I'm excited to see that. Hopefully,
0: so something that we didn't talk about last week, and something that I'm excited moving into Era Two. At the end of the book, the difference between Sazed and Rashik or Vin at the Well of Ascension or anything, when they take the power, they have it briefly, and then it fades. Sazed at the end of The Hero of Ages, has the cosmic ability to move planets and reshape the world, all that, and then continues to hold the power. It doesn't fade. He is behind the scenes with that power moving forwards. And if there's ever a character you would trust to have that sort of power, I think it would be Sazed. So that concept moving into Era 2 is what I was excited for when I first read it.
3: I noted a question
1: specifically about that, though, because I had the same thought of... Now when we talk about oh, preservation and ruin, well, well, it says it. We know that guy. and But I, I've i read enough story and I've lived enough life in the real world to know that people who hold, hold power for a long time often don't come out the same at the end and it often doesn't end well. The, the age-old saying, power, power corrupts. Can Seizid hold power for, what did you just tell us, 300 years? 300 years. And not become a villain. Is our is Seizid going to become, at least on some level, a villain of our next story? Ooh, maybe. maybe. I don't know if I want to call that a prediction, but that's my fear.
2: I'm very scared of that, and I didn't think I was, because I think if Sazen can't, I don't think I don't know I don't think anyone can, so I think. If so, if he can't, then let's just throw in the towel. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just yeah. don't take power and you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly.
0: Alright. All you are correct. The main characters of Immisborn Era two are Wax and Wayne. And the joke is Scadriel doesn't have a moon, so they don't get the joke of the two names Wax and Wayne because they don't have a waxing or a waning moon.
2: That's hilarious. Nice.
0: So <laughs> Um But before we get there, next week we are doing the entire book of Elantris, so if you didn't know that, go read the entire book of Elantris in a week and come back next week. But before that happens, tomorrow on our YouTube channel, thanks to our patrons, we have commissioned a new artwork and we're going to be revealing that tomorrow on our YouTube channel. We're going to be using that as our background, um, for our YouTube for the podcast. We're doing away with our gloomy, dark Luthadel background that we've been using for the last year or so. And then we will be revealing that uh, tomorrow and I'm excited to show you guys our new artwork. Um, on the on the youtube channel thanks for joining me paul and elliot see you next time doodles